This is now part three. You can put up the screen, brother. I believe this is part three of touching life for the soul and the body. Last, last part today. It's only supposed to be part one, but more revelation sometimes comes as you, as you minister. And so we, uh, we, we talked last week. Remember, I kind of repeated a little bit. I wanted to get to addictions, which I'm going to get to today. But last week, I, the Holy Ghost kind of took me a different direction, and I started preaching about the first man being born again and how he took the consequences of separation from God. When you're not born again, you're separated from God. And he took those consequences on the cross because even though he had never been separated because of sin, when he got on that cross, your sin and my sin separated him from the Father. That's why God said, I have to reject you. Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? And he, on, while breathing oxygen on, in this natural realm, he became a lost man, Reverend Dan. And he experienced what it was like not to have relationship. He had separation from God. And then what are the consequences? All sickness, all poverty, everything came on him on that cross. So that any man that chooses to be born again like him, he is the head, the first one. We are the body that follow in his footsteps. Any man or woman that chooses to become born again, none of the consequences of separation from God should be in their life. Only sinners that have chosen to reject God. By, in, by, by their own will or by their ignorance. But they're, they, they're, they're, not, they're not covenant people. They are far from the covenants of promise. They have not been born again. They don't have any choice. They are going to receive the consequences of separation from God in this earth, which is the poverty and the sickness. And that's just, that's why all the commercials, because they're not, they're not made by believers. That's why all the commercials, so many of them are about drugs and about, and about take this medication and you know, and this will help you because people are going through everything from insomnia to suicide and everything in between. And they, and they don't know where to go look for answers. So they go to a pill. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't take a pill, but Jesus paid a heavy price so that you wouldn't walk in the footsteps of an unregenerated mind. The unregenerated mind only has hope in pills and in psychiatrists. Nothing wrong with doctors, nothing wrong with pills, nothing wrong with psychiatrists. They're trying to help. But we have been provided and out by Jesus so that we shouldn't need those lesser things. I'm not against them, but do you understand? And don't forget while they're, while they're telling you about this pill that's going to help your blood pressure and they're flying a kite and they're eating muffins. They're saying, if you listen, because you're focused on that kite, but if you listen while they're riding their bike, you know, the two-seater the two bike, and they're riding the bike on the beach, and you're like, oh, that's so beautiful. But you're not listening because they're saying, your bowels may explode, death may occur, migraine headaches will probably be the result, dry mouth symptoms, and even though it's going to help your blood pressure, you're going to get glycoma, your liver will explode, and you will die. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but if you, if you listen, you're thinking, why on earth would I take this? Because the side effects are worse than, than oh my God. I'm not telling you not to take it. If you don't have faith, then thank God for the pills and the doctors. Remember, Dr. Dufresne always told us, God is not displeased with the application of medicine. God is displeased when there's no application of faith. Take the medicine and release what faith you have and then build your faith and lessen the medicine little by little. Until your faith is strong enough, the power is working strong enough where you can get off the medicine. Hallelujah. So we're not against what the world's trying to do. I'm just saying we've been given an out. Jesus took the price on the cross so I would not have to fly the kite while my liver explodes. Do you understand me? And pop the pills. But 
I got to be so careful because people get offended and they say, well, you tell me I shouldn't. Tell. I'm not condemning you. Do whatever you want to do. I'm just saying Jesus paid a heavy price. It's time for us to start waking up and, and understanding that and saying, Jesus, I'm going to take, I'm going to take advantage of what you, I'm going to appropriate what you provided for me. Praise God. Cause I'm a born again, man. I'm not a sinner. I'm a born again, man. Praise God. So we preached last night about last week about this. And then I got in the spirit a little bit. I don't know if you remember. And I started to say by the spirit, I wasn't planning on saying it. It wasn't in my notes, but that word sound kept coming out of my spirit. And I started confessing about a whole bunch of different body parts. And some of you started confessing with me. And I said, my hair follicles are sound and my mind is sound and my knees are sound and my cartilage is sound and my sciatic nerve is sound. But that word sound kept coming up. And so let me read you second Timothy chapter 1 7 there's other verses but this is probably the most famous 2nd Timothy 1 7 for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind my mind is sound now this word sound in the Greek means disciplined a disciplined mind so people interpret this, Pastor Happy, as saying, God has given me soundness, so it's just a gift and I don't have to do anything. But really what he's saying is I've given you the ability to be disciplined. Yeah. So it's not just God does it all for me. I have to choose what I think about. I have to discipline my thinking and be according to Romans 8, 6 and Galatians 6, 8, be spiritually minded. Think and meditate on the word and on, on what God says. I can control this mind. It's not just God drops, poop sound mind. Do you understand? I, he says, I give you the anointing and the ability to discipline your own thoughts. So you can discipline your thoughts if you so choose to. That word sound means discipline. But I got to thinking and my brother-in-law showed me a wonderful, a wonderful website of, of, of Bible definitions. It's like, it's like a dictionary, but it was written in terms of the King James Bible, which I've never read, but I didn't even know it existed. And so they take Bible terms and then they give dictionary definitions, but in the concept, in the context of the original Hebrew and Greek. So it's like a lexicon, but it's not a lexicon. And so there are 13 definitions for soundness according to the King James Bible Dictionary. And so put those on the screen because we're talking about soundness of mind, soundness of body, soundness of liver. It means entire, unbroken, not shaky, split or defective as sound timber. Now, you don't have timber, but you can say, Lord, my bones aren't shaky. My, my, my cells aren't splitting in effect. They're not defective. Next one. I, and sound means undecayed, whole, perfect, or not defective. A sound fruit. A sound apple or melon. In other words, not rotting. Some of you got problems and your toes rot off. Start saying, Lord, my toes are undecayed, whole and perfect, as sound, and my toes are sound. No, I'm serious. You know what I'm talking about. Dear God, I watched this. I just was flipping and I saw this thing. My feet are killing me. This new show and the poor doctor. Oh my God, the most hideous toe I've ever seen in my life. full of arthritis. Anyway, just, just disgusting. And she has to amputate it. And now they're watch, you're watching the surgery as she amputate and it's all rotted inside. And I thought, no, 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 that never happened to my toe. No, 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 no. That poor guy's, un that poor guy's far from the covenants of promise. No, no, no. Undecayed toes for me. Thank you very much. Okay, next one. Sound is an unbroken, not bruised or defective, not lacerated or decayed, a sound limb. I have a sound limb, no lacerations. I'm not going to break. Jesus never broke a bone. It was prophesied. You don't have to break bones. You're, you're redeemed from that. 
not saying be guilty if you broke a bone. I'm just saying your covenant includes these things. Number four, sound also means not carious, not decaying. You know, like a, a bird, a carrion bird, something that eats dead meat. You, 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 you have a sound tooth. I have a sound tooth. My tooth are not decaying. Now, if you eat, <laughs> if you eat, what do you call those hard candies? The, you know, jawbreakers and, and the other ones, Jolly Ranchers. If you have a marriage affiliation with Jolly Rancher, it's going to be a little bit hard. You've got to brush your teeth. And you've got to, have not, you've got to use common sense. You've got to eat normal. You've got to take care of your teeth. But you can still say, Father, uh, in Jesus' name, I don't accept decaying in my teeth. My teeth are perfect because it's part of my covenant. My covenant has given me soundness. What about the next one, number five? Sound means not broken or decayed, not defective as a sound ship. Next one, number six, it means whole, entire, unhurt, unmutilated as a sound body. My covenant provides no mutilation. I know you laugh, but it's the truth. Accidents mutilate people all the time. I've been redeemed from losing my finger in the, in the saw. Do <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Once I was up at the farm and I was cutting down a tree and I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't do that. <laughs> I was with the chainsaw way and I was cutting down a tree and I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't do that. You're not doing that right. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. So I didn't listen. I thought it's a tree. How hard can it be? It's just a tree. You cut it down, it falls. Thank God for angels because it almost fell on top of me. I thank God I got out the way. But then as I jumped out the way of the falling tree, the chainsaw was still going and hit my leg and sliced my leg open. And I, of course, I don't tell you all that because I'm an idiot sometimes. <laughs> but you see, I, I have a right to no mutilation. <laughs> sound body, sound limbs, no laceration. But that means you got to listen to the Holy Ghost when he says, don't cut the tree down if you don't know what you're doing, fool. <laughs> My God. So God wants to protect us, but that doesn't trump the leading of the Spirit. I was fine. I was just more embarrassed than anything else. <laughs> Praise God. Anyway, let's keep going. Number seven, sound means healthy, not disease, not being in a morbid state, having all the organs complete and in perfect action as a sound body, sound health, sound constitution, a sound man, a sound horse. <laughs> People talk about having a sound horse. Yeah. I know I've heard, I've heard esqui, es, es, whatever you call it, es, equestrian people say that. Is the horse sound? They're talking about are all the organs working right? Are the hooves working right? Well, that applies to me. I, I have a right not to be in a morbid state. All my organs working in perfect action. Number eight, praise God. What? Good hooves. Good hooves. Well, I don't have hooves, but praise God, good hooves. Next one. Number eight, founded in truth, firm, strong, valid, solid, that cannot be overthrown or refuted. A sound reasoning, a sound argument, a sound objection, a sound doctrine, and sound principles. My believing is sound. My doctrine is sound. Number nine, a sound, right, correct, well-founded, free from error, orthodox. First Timothy, second Timothy chapter one, let my heart be sound in thy statutes. In other words, I, I understand the Bible the right way. In doctrine, and I'm orthodox. Orthodox just means I'm, I'm uh, I don't know what a good definition for orthodox, Reverend Dan, is, but I'm correct. I'm, I'm of the original. 
I'm, I'm not, I haven't devi- deviated off into some false error thing. I'm of the original correct doctrine. Number 10, sound heavy, laid on with force as sound strokes or a sound beating. <laughs> now, husbands, you don't claim this over your wife or your children. I'm just giving you different, I don't think we can claim this one, except maybe you give the devil a sound beating. But anyway, we can't, I'm just giving you definitions of what sound means. Number 11, it means founded in right and law, legal, valid, not defective, that which cannot be overthrown as a sound title to land or sound justice. I'm believing when I go to court that I'll have sound justice. Now, number 12, sound means fast, profound, undisturbed as a sound sleep. Come on now, fast. Notice that? Fast. It's where you get your pillow and it's not nine hours or that's an exaggeration. Three hours later, you're drifting off fast. My sleep is sound. I go to sleep quickly and I have profound sleep. Good dreams, undisturbed. This is your confession. Now, what are we doing right now? We are thinking about thoughts. We're not quoting scripture necessarily, but our thoughts are in line with the Bible. So we are being spiritually minded because our thoughts are connected to what God's word says about soundness. Now, as we do that, life's flowing. Because to be spiritually minded is connected to life and peace. It's, it's, you're connected in the realm of the spirit. Last one, number 13. Sound means perfect as intellect, not broken or defective, not enfeebled by age or accident not wild or wandering not deranged as a sound mind a sound understanding and sound reason i will not be enfeebled by age i will not be enfeebled by accidents and i will never be wild in my thoughts and mind wandering like people wander around they're gone crazy i'll never be deranged why? Because I've been given a covenant right to soundness. I, I, hope, I hope you just, it's just good to meditate on these things. Only one that didn't apply was the sound beating. <laughs> Glory to God. Uh, anyway, praise God. You're not finding that funny, so I'll move on. So, what are, <laughs> Jennifer, don't write that one down. A sound beating. I don't want one when I get home. Praise God. So stay touching. Remember Matthew 19, Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, touching to greet as touching anything. You can't touch every circumstance because it's not physical, but you can make contact in the realm of the spirit by your agreement that the power of God will, will touch that situation. So you can touch things in your thought life. You can make connection by your thoughts for the power of God when you pray the prayer of agreement. So Galatians 6, 8 and, and Romans 8, 6, when you're spiritually minded, when your thoughts touch, that when your meditations are of spiritual things of God, you are touching the life of God. You are making contact with power to flow into you. But if you meditate and say the opposite of these definitions over you, well, you know, I always get in accidents. Now what you're doing, you're being carnally minded. Your thoughts are not on what God says. Your thoughts are on what the world says or what your past experience has been or what your mama and your daddy who loved you but were, that were ignorant of the things of the spirit, what they taught you. And so you'll start, to, we can't afford this. Shouldn't say that. Maybe you can't afford it, but you can say it differently. Our budget doesn't allow that right now, but I can afford anything that I use my faith for. That God, that God says is in my future. We've got to be careful how we talk. I'm not trying to be overemphasizing this, but, but I'm telling you every now and then as a pastor, I have to bring your attention back to your words because your words are going to sink your ship or float your boat. Do you hear me? 
So as I meditate with my thoughts on what God says and then add my words to that meditation. Remember, let the meditation of my heart, the psalmist said, and the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. As a man thinketh, the Bible says, in his heart, so is he. Why? Why is he? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and you create your future with your words. So as you think in your heart and say with your mouth, you will have your life. Look at your life. It is the result of what you thought of what you meditated on and what you said. What you're living right now, if you're broken down in health, it's because you didn't thought, think right, you didn't meditate right, you didn't speak right, and now you, because of being carnally minded and carnally speaking, you are reaping corruption. But if you're spiritually minded and you think on what God says and you meditate on what God says and you say what God says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The power of God will flow and, and reverse the symptoms that you're feeling. Praise God. So be careful when you go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. But be careful when the report comes that you have the shield of faith up before you hear the diagnosis. Because otherwise it will be an arrow that goes through your heart and fear will try to grip you. Just remember, no matter what he says or she says, Jesus took it on the cross. No matter what word comes out of their mouth, it was sewn into the robe of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has led a train of vanquished foes when he sat down upon his throne. It doesn't, that's why you don't ever have to worry about going because it doesn't matter what they say. All they're giving you is knowledge. They should not make you afraid. They may be afraid. They may try to pass that on to you, but have the shield of faith up. They're just giving you knowledge. But there's no fear attached to that knowledge because perfect love casts out that fear. And I know who loves me and I know whose I serve and whom I am. I know it. And I know no matter what word you give me, it was on that tree and it's sewn into that robe. And I'm in Christ, so that means that robe is mine and he bore it from me and I'm a born again man in him and I'm seated in him. And no matter what you say, doc, thank you for all your help. No matter what you say, it'll come back negative. When I come back here, don't worry, doc, you'll do the blood test. And I don't care if you say it's impossible or not. When I come back here, it'll come back negative. Because what you don't understand and what's not in your medical journal, but the great physician who does, you don't even know who he is, but he's the master physician of all physicians. His name is Jesus. And the Bible calls him the great doctor. Amen. Doc, you're a doc, but I've got a great doctor. Amen. And his report's a little different to yours. So thank you for telling me your report. When I come back, it'll come back negative. Don't you worry. When they, come here, handsome boy. Stand up here, handsome boy. Don't say, oh no, I'm not going to embarrass you. Stand up here. Stand up here. When he was born right down here in his intestines, right down here in his intestines, he'd cough, he'd laugh, and that thing would swell up the size of my fist outside his body. The skin would swell out because there was a hole when he was in the womb. And we went to the doctor and we went to the best surgeon in Sick Kids Hospital. And the best surgeon, she's the number one surgeon for this thing. She looked at me and she said, Reverend Field, I know that you probably believe what these Christians believe. <laughs> what she's saying is you're crazy. But this is medically impossible without surgery. And if you let it go, sir the hole will, will grow as he grows. And it will become, a, he could actually die over it. 
Because if, he, if it keeps getting bigger, and then as the food is going down, it will seep into the bloodstream, and the toxins, you know, through that tract can kill you. She said, don't play games with this. I'll book you a surgery right now. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't book it. Now, what are you supposed to say to the best surgeon who's trying, who thinks you're crazy anyway? So I said, you know, I need to talk to my wife. I said, my wife is kind of a very strong lady, and I, I don't make decisions without her. See, that was wisdom, because it's true. And she looked at me and goes, oh, yes, my husband wouldn't make a decision without talking to me either. And I said, thank you so much for understanding. I need to go back and talk to my wife, but I'll call you. So I went back and I said to Jenny, what do you think? And she says, what did God say? I said, don't, he said, don't do the surgery, but we're taking a risk here. But there's no risk of the Holy Ghost because it's on the cross. So we started speaking every day, every day when he was a little baby, every day, every day. And he'd cough and that thing seemed like it was getting bigger. So we confess it over you. We say you're sealed and you're healed in Jesus' name. How long did it take? About a year? One year. One year. And all of a sudden, we noticed that, that, that... So I started tickling him, like now. And he started laughing. And, he, and I said, cough now. Cough as hard as you can. He was just a little baby. I said, that's a weak cough. Cough again. And I'm looking there. And there's no swelling. And we took him back and they did more tests and x-rays. And the doctor said, I, I don't know how to explain this. He said, the hole is sealed. Now you see, what did, God, what did God tell us to say? Sealed and healed. And then don't forget, when you were acting the fool and you hit the, you hit, you're running at six years old and you hit the corner of the, of, the, of, the, of the track that goes from the carpet to the laminate or whatever the flooring is, and you hit it full speed with your right toe and you ripped your toe open and we could see your bones and we laid our hands upon you. And we said, I commend you to seal in Jesus' name. And the next day, I couldn't even tell which foot, because not only did God heal it, but I couldn't even tell there's no scar. And I mean, the, the slash was that big. You could see his bones. You could see inside his foot. I'm telling you, the power of God is real. Thank you, handsome boy. By the way, he's single, but he's too young. He's, he's too young. <laughs> he's too young. But ladies, if you text me or email me, there is a waiting list and I will put your name. Quinn, Quinn has five more on the waiting list than Cole, but Cole is catching up because... So... Hmm. Do you remember what wind is? Yes. Yes, how old were you? You were seven, and the blood, we had two fold towels, bath towels soaked with blood, and we were on the third towel. That's how much blood he lost. And little Cole, Quinn, at seven years old, you know, he loves his brother. He doesn't love him much now, but he loved him a lot back then. But I confess, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. But he was, he was sitting on the couch, and he was saying, how, what did he say, Jenny? God, we need oh, God. We need to see your power. We need to see your power. Move now. Oh God, we need to show see your power. power. Move now. Oh God, we show us your power. Move now. Oh God, show us your power. Move now. And God sure moved. No matter what we face, there's an answer for it. So I want to encourage you to keep your words and your meditation right. So what, let me give you some examples. Don't say, and I'm not trying to be weird with this. I'm being honest. Don't say things like, I'm so emotionally messed up. I hear people say that. I've got so many hangups. It's better that you don't say that. 
because you're just reinforcing what exists what exists what does romans 4 17 say god called those things that be not as though they were he he didn't call that which is as though it's not he didn't say i've got no problems he's called the answer into existence he said the solution light come to pass he didn't say there's no darkness he just said light come light be right so you don't have to say, you don't have to de- deny reality and say, I'm, I've got no, you know, I've got no hangups when you know you do, but don't keep saying what the problem is. Start to call those things that be not as though they are. And what, what is one way you do that? So you could say, for example, I'm giving you an example, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, which I've been quoting you for the last two Sundays. So you could say, I am whole and preserved perfect in my and all of my spirit, all of my soul, and all of my body. Amen. It's better to say that than I've got so many hang-ups and I'm so messed yeah. up in my emotions. And I don't know, my parents messed me up and my boyfriend messed me up and I don't know what's going on in my life. It just, that might be the reality, but why don't you start calling things that are not yet that your mind is sound and your emotions are balanced and healed. Lord, I thank you. I'm preserved perfect in my emotions in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. This, not, this is okay, right? Yeah because this is true and this will help you. Don't, don't say these words because people say this a lot. Oh, it just drives me crazy. You say, well, pastor, you're going a little bit too far on that. Am I? Because a lot of people think that people go too far with these things. But if you watch the, 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 the sewer that comes out of people's mouths, don't be the policeman on everybody, but, but guard your own backyard. Keep your own, word, your own words clean. Don't say things like it's driving me crazy. Don't say things like, uh, I'm going to lose my mind. Don't say those things. You're giving, you're giving movement and the words create an atmosphere and you're tapping in by your meditation and your confession into death. Do you understand? Don't say those things. You can start reversing them today. But what you could say, according to Deuteronomy 28, 28, it says that those that are outside the covenant will have blindness, madness, and be crazed in thy wits. But Father, according to Galatians 3.13, Jesus redeemed me from all the curses of Deuteronomy 28. So I declare, therefore, I will never lose my mind. I will never be deranged. I will never be wild or wandering. I will never lose, become crazy. I will never experience schizophrenia. I will never experience bipolar. Never, never, never in the name of Jesus. My mind is sound. I've been redeemed. You got to start saying that. Praise God. Especially if there's a fear because there's some kind of person in your family or whatever. Say it all the more. It has to stop when it hits you because the blood will keep it out. Because the covenant will keep it out. Stop saying I can't remember. I've been guilty of that. Stop saying, I can never remember things. Oh, I've got such a bad memory. Stop saying it. You might have a bad memory, but call your memory good. Don't deny that you don't, you don't have to say, I, you know, you're not denying reality by calling the answer into existence. Start to say, Father, I thank you. I like this. I am quick. I am sharp. I am alert. I am bright. I have the memory of an elephant. But then add this, but I don't have a waistline of an elephant. (laughs) Elephants remember everything. I'm quick, I'm sharp, I'm alert, I'm bright. I remember everything. Now that doesn't mean you don't write things on a to-do list, Taylor. But just start to say, I remember everything. Are you with me? 
Now, this is a really big one, and this is a really important one. Are you there? People say this all the time. I find myself saying this. It's so easy to say this, but it's really, a, it's a serious infringement and, and, and violation of your covenant. I don't know. I just don't know what to do. I just don't have no idea what I'm going to do. Oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation. Now, yes, I know you don't know what to do, but the word of God tells you that the Holy Ghost inside you knows exactly what to do. So why don't you stop meditating and talking about what you don't know? Because we all know that you don't know. And you know that you don't know, but the Holy Ghost knows. So why don't you start talking about his knowledge being in you and because of him, you know what to do by faith. And at the moment you need it, the answer will be there for you. Now, let me read you this wonderful verse of scripture that goes along with this. Isaiah chapter 11. Everybody needs to not just write this down. You need to brand this, brand this, get it. Don't get a tattoo, but almost get a tattoo of this, but don't get a tattoo. That's what heathens do. I don't, I'm not saying that it's sinful. I'm just saying we're not encouraging tattoos here. But what I am saying is brand this on your heart. This verse is a powerful verse. Uh, he, Isaiah 11, verse 2 and 3. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. But Rob, when it's talking about Jesus and I'm in Christ, it's also talking about me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm in him. Remember Ephesians chapter 2? I'm in Christ. Seated in heavenly places with him. So a prophecy about Jesus does apply to me after the cross has been accomplished because I'm in Christ. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him and therefore me, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, I have counsel. The Holy Ghost is the spirit it's referring to. He gives me counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Remember, it all comes back to your reverence for God. Now watch. And he shall, oh, this is the verse. This is the, this is the one. This is the, this is the big, this is the big guns. Verse three. And he, and shall make him of quick understanding in the reverence of the Lord. It starts with the reverence of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. What is God saying here? You don't only have to make decisions because of what you see and because of what you hear. Because there is a quickening. It doesn't just mean quick like physically fast. It means there's a quickening of knowledge and understanding from your spirit that comes into your mind. And because of that quickened knowing, which comes by the Holy Ghost, I don't have to only make decisions based on what I see. Oh my gosh, do you realize what, what we're saying here? Sinners can only make decisions on what they see. So they look at the car and they're trying to make a decision. But see, all they know is what it looks like on the outside. But the Holy Ghost was there in the plant when they built that car. And he knows if the one of the workers decided to not do something the way they should do. And he knows, because he knows everything, that in about seven months, three weeks, and two days from now, something's going to break. And it's going to cause you a lot of headache to get that fixed. A lot of annoyance. And so without seeing it, without hearing it, you can have a knowing in the inside. Not that one. That applies to picking a spouse too. Oh, but look, Jesus, look, help us, Jesus, look, look, Jesus, look, Jesus. My God, you've made a fine specimen here, Jesus. See, because you're looking and you're hearing, but God sees what's inside that you can't see. 
but the Holy Ghost can quicken to you. Yes. Now have a quickly a look here. Isn't that a great verse? Have a look here now at, uh, at the book of John. We got another wonderful verse. First John chapter two, verse 20. First John chapter, because this is in the Bible in the New Testament, that prophecy of the old is talking about the new. First John 2.20, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Now that word unction in the original Greek, it's the Greek word chrisma and it means an urgency. That means that, not an urgency, and a, a smearing of oil and a special endowment from the Holy Spirit. He will give you a knowing. Now that doesn't mean you don't come to church. People misquote this all the time. It doesn't mean that nobody needs to teach you the Bible. That's not what it's talking about. It means when you are saying, I, I don't know, this person, I just don't think I'm supposed to date them, but somebody else is going, oh no, they're a great girl. Oh no, they're a great girl. No, that you should do this. But you've got an inner unction, an inner witness, an inner knowing, a quickened understanding. I don't think I should do this. That's what it's saying. You don't need anybody else to argue with that because I'm going to lead you. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you know all things because you don't know. Nobody knows all things in terms of knowledge of the Bible. And we still need people to teach us these things. Like you don't have all knowing about being, how to be a doctor. You've got to go to school and if somebody teach you, you've got to come to church and if somebody teach you. But when it comes to making decisions and there's a knowing, there's an unction, there's an anointing inside to know, a quickened by the Holy Ghost, your understanding is quickened and you just know it. You don't need anybody else to argue with you. You follow that. Do you listen to me? You follow that and it'll help you. It'll save your life potentially. When you know, don't go here. When you know, don't drive down that street. When you know, change lanes. Yes. When you know, don't get on that plane. Yes. You had an unction a little while ago. You had even paid for a trip and it cost you money, but there was an unction, don't go on that trip. And the week she was there, tourists got murdered. Oh my. Right? Yes. But there was an unction. God didn't want her in that place. He didn't, I'm not saying she would have been murdered. I don't know. I just know that God did not want her in that place. There was danger and there was an unction, but it's hard to follow that unction when you're going to lose money. But thank God for following the unction. Yeah. Keith Butler had an unction, don't get on the plane. The other minister, oh, I apply the blood, I'm fine. He said, oh, brother, I have an unction. I have an unction. I don't know. I just know something's wrong. Oh, brother, you're not in faith. That plane crashed that day. That pastor died. Keith Butler walked away. Because he said to the ticketing agent, I'm going to miss my meeting. It's going to be very inconvenient, but I don't violate that. Put me on another flight. My God, this could save your life. So I've got a confession for you. Don't say, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know what to do. Say these words. Put it up on the screen because I thought some of them maybe want to take a picture because this is a very good confession. According to Isaiah 2 and 3, the Lord makes me of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And I don't just judge after the seeing of my eye or the hearing of my ear. I am quickened and I know. I know what the answer is. I know what to do. I know where to go beyond calculation and just naturally figuring things out. I have the unction and I know all things according to 1 John 2.20. My God, I say that over my life every day. Every day, I can, I, not every day, but I try it almost every day. I say these words over me. I am quickened and I know. I know what to do. I know what the answer is. I know where to go. And it's beyond calculation. And it's beyond figuring things out. I know because I've got the Holy Ghost. Amen. My God, I know. I know. Hallelujah. Praise God. He'll help you with fixing things at home. And if you're going to try to do something that he knows is going to break it and you think it's going to help it, he'll just, there'll be a witness, there'll be a, a, a check, there'll be a whole, don't do that. Follow that. You know. Beyond your natural reasoning, you know. Praise God. Ha! 
Hallelujah. So what does Joel chapter 3 verse 10 say? Let the weak say, I am strong. Now there is no verse in the Bible that says, let the poor say, I'm rich. You know that song? Yeah. Let the weak say, I am strong. You know that song? But we could apply that to anything because the Bible does say in Joel 3.10, let the weak say. Let the, can you just, you, I can see some of you don't believe me, so just look it up. My God, you'd think they'd trust the pastor, Lord. But I can tell they're just not sure. They said, that can't be in the Bible. That's a song hymn. That's a hymnal. Verse 10, beat your, not children, plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, let the weak say, I am strong. Because when you're weak, you don't feel strong. So God in the Old Testament is saying, get your words in line. The, the New Testament equivalent is Romans 4, 17. Call those things that are not yet as though they already are. If you're not strong, say I'm strong. When you're not rich, say I'm rich. When your mind is not remembering, start to say, I have a quick alert mind and I'm active. I remember everything. When you don't know what to do, don't say, I don't know what to do. Say, Father, the Holy Ghost on the inside of me quickens me. I have an unction and I know all things. I know what to do. I know where to go. I know what to say. You go into an interview, don't say, oh my God, what am I going to I know what to say to that person. I'll have the unction. I'll have the words. I'll know exactly what to say. And I have favor. They're surrounding me like a shield, Psalm 5:12, And they don't know why, but they want me on their team. They can't figure it out. They can't put their finger on it. But something about me gets them, gets them happy and excited. Why? Because the anointing is on me. And these sinners don't got no anointing. But I got an anointing. There's a love of God on me. <laughs> My God. It just act like, just act like the Bible is real and like it works. And I'm telling you, things will change for you. So, so we know that we got to call things. If you're feeling slow, say you're quick. If you're feeling weak, say you're strong. If you don't have a job, say, I have, I have not just one job, I have multiple offers. <laughs> call it by faith. Call it by faith. Those angels will work with your words. Amen. Like my wife said, call the mountain, call it, command it to move. This stuff is real and it really works. Now, I'll provoke you with another one that I know some of you are going to roll your eyes at. But God's been dealing with me about it because I say a lot. Son, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. God started dealing with me about that. And he said, do you hear what you're saying? Lord, I'm just telling him I'm proud of him. But what are you saying? I'm proud. Now, that's not what, how I mean it. But it's still not. Pride is the root of all. It's the root of every problem that exists because Satan started with pride and it moved into jealousy and it moved into rebellion and it moved into murder. But it started because he thought he was bigger than himself. Now, that's not how I mean it. But even that God's been dealing with me and say, uh, what did I say? God didn't say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm so proud. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, you see, that might be a small thing and you might say, ah, you're just, you're, that's just semantics, Pastor Craig. Do what you want, believe what you want. I'm just telling you what God's been dealing with me about. I don't want words that are associated with sin. Even, I don't want, to, I don't want them connected with me and my nature and my makeup. Because God hates the proud, the Bible says. He knows them afar off. He doesn't even want them near him. 
So stop saying all the time. I know your heart is not saying that, but you should. I'm telling you, you gotta, we gotta, we gotta watch what we're saying. Just say, son, I'm so well pleased in you. I'm just pleased with this. I'm pleased with it. Don't keep saying I'm proud about this. I'm proud about that. I'm proud about that. I can see I lost all of you, so I'll just move on. Because I know some people, they really get upset with this like we're being over the top. But you've got to follow your own heart. I'm not telling you. And don't please, when somebody says to you, I'm so Don't you say that. The, the pastor said that's of demons. Don't do that. Because you're going to hurt people. You're going to offend them. Then they're going to leave the church. And then they're going to think we're a weirdo cult. Where we can't even say a simple phrase because we're jumping down each other's throat. If you don't like that, then just keep saying you're proud. I really don't care. I'm telling you what I'm doing. I'm telling you what's working for me. You've got to judge it yourself. Jenny, is that okay, honey? Because I'm so pleased with you. <laughs> I'm practicing right now. Now, what about addictions in your body? We've talked about soul realm, grievings and wounds and imbalances. We've talked about body things with parts of your body. Yeah. What about your addictions, which starts in your mind, but manifests through your body? I want to give you two verses. This, any kind of thing that controls you is an addiction. Yeah. I'm being honest with you. Shopping can be an addiction. Some people are addicted to it. Watching TV can be an addiction. Do you understand? Listen, now I'm going to mess with you a little bit this morning. Going to the gym can be an addiction. That's an addiction that I would like to have. <laughs> no, I don't want any addictions. But some people, that's all they think about. They are so controlled by it. <laughs> Thank God I'm free. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. Some people, they're just addicted to social media. Some people, they're addicted to just spending money. They don't even have to shop. They just got to spend, spend it on something. Do you understand? Their addictions is anything that controls you. Anything that dictates things to you. The obvious ones are alcohol and, and drugs. And there can be sexual addictions. Do you understand? There can be uh, lots of addictions. Food can be an addiction where you just, it controls you. So no matter what kind of an addiction somebody has, I want to give you two verses that have really, they're, they're in the process of, and they have, past and present tense, helping me overcome. Amen. The first one is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Can you read that with me? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. And the Bible says these words, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I read this for years thinking erroneously it was saying that God was going to do his good pleasure in my life. Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah. That I thought it was saying that God is working. See, I, I wasn't looking at the word in you. I was just reading it without the words in you because sometimes you glaze over scriptures and you don't really read them. So I was reading for it is God that works to will and do of his good pleasure. So that's great. Yeah, Lord, uh, you're working in whatever you're doing. I guess you're doing whatever you're doing with people, with the world, whatever, with me. And you're just, you want your will to be done. You want your pleasure to be done. That is not what it's saying at all. That's why if you glaze over it, it, you'll lose the power of this verse. This verse is saying this, for it is God which worketh in you. Yes. It's got nothing to do with his will and it's got nothing to do with his actions. Yes. 
He is working in you so that you will will. And so that you will do of the things that are of his good pleasure or the things that please him. That is a totally different revelation than taking out the words in you and just thinking God's doing some stuff according to his will and his pleasure. No, God is working in you, Winston, to make you will and to help you to do things that please him. Now, you can't make an action, Taylor, unless you've made a decision to make that action. You first have to will to do something, and then you act. The will is of the soul. The action is of the body. You have to decide in your mind, I'm going to do this. I choose to do this. I will this. And then you're going to execute that will by action and say, now that I've chosen to drink this healthy drink instead of Coca-Cola, Now I'm going to do the action that I've decided on and I'm going to drink the healthy drink and not the Coca-Cola. Do you understand? What is is this verse saying? God. It starts with God. Oh, this helps set me free so much, Reverend Greg. God. Just say, Father, I'm inviting you to fulfill Philippians 2.13 in my life. God will come to you and he will do a work in you and cause you to start to want, start to desire, start to will, and then start to act on what you want. Things that please him. Do you realize what this is saying? Let's say you're overweight and you are trying and it's not working. The answer is very simple. Father, I thank you that you work in me. Give me the will. Give me the desire. Let me give you another phrase. Make me willing to become willing. Do you understand what what, what I'm saying? Lord, I'm asking you to give me a desire. Help me. I'm willing to become willing, but I need you to help me with my will. Because my will is weak. I keep being pulled over this way. So, Father, you, by your power, work in me. And cause me to want this. Cause me to help me choose this. Make my will your will. I'm willing to become willing. Now I pray that you'd put that desire in me for this. Do you hear me? Now, but Lord, I don't just ask that you would help me work in me so that I would choose it, that will, but also so that I would have the strength to do it, that I would act. And I've been doing this and I'm telling you it works because all of a sudden what I never really had Jenny a true desire for something. Now all of a sudden God by his power is doing a work in me. And what is he doing? He's helping me choose. He's helping me will. He's helping me decide. What does that mean? He's putting a divine desire inside me for something that pleases him. Now, it may not be overeating does not please him. It displeases him. Lying does not please him. But he can actually work a work, a divine work in you where he puts a desire in you. He helps you choose. No, he is doing, you still have to do the choosing, but his power is working in you to aid you to choose and to want not to lie. Now, just because you don't want to lie anymore doesn't mean you're not going to lie. You have to still do it. When the opportunity comes to tell a lie, you have to choose to tell the truth. 
But now it's more than just, he's not his work in you is not just to help you want it. His work is actually to help you execute it. Father, work in me a deep work and help me with my will and my choosing and my desire and my decisions. Help me make right decisions that I would want to do this and then help me do it. What things? Things that please you. And the addiction does not please him. It starts with your will. Start to say, Father, work in me. Help me to will. I'm willing to be made willing. I'll be honest with you right now. I don't really want to do it. But I'm willing to be made supple and to do it. So, Lord, I just, I don't even, I can't even say I want to do it. I'll be honest with you. Not everybody wants to pray. Because they haven't got over, they haven't learned the sweetness of the Spirit. But you can say, Father, I don't even want to do it. But I'm willing yeah. for you to make me willing. I'm, I'm open for you to put a desire in me, for you to help me choose. And then not just help me choose, but actually help me do it, Lord. And if you just start confessing this, just start confessing it, you will start to notice a desire. The, the desire for the other will start to wane. And the desire for the thing that pleases him will start to grow. And all of a sudden, you'll start to want to do something that you never wanted to do before because it pleases him. And his work in you has made you desire it. I'm telling you, this is, this is a, I know it sounds simple, but it's very profound. And then you start to act on it. And he'll even help you do the acting. Praise God. 1203, let me give you one more verse and we'll close. The other verse is James 3, 2. I can't tell you how much this has helped me. James chapter 3, verse 2. Firstly, you've got to ask God to help you choose and want and help you do it. The second thing you have to do, which I've already preached on today, but I'm now giving you its own scripture, is watch your mouth. Look at verse 3, James chapter, what did I say? 3 verse 2. For in many things we offend all. That word offend doesn't just mean the way you think, like to make somebody offended with you. It means to trip. In the Greek, it means to stumble. In many things, we stumble. We all stumble or trip. If any man does not stumble or trip in his words, the same as a perfect man, also able to bridle his entire body. When you have an addiction, something in your mind or your body is controlling you. But the Bible says that if you'll guard your words, you'll be perfect and you'll control your body. Are you listening? Addictions control you. The overwhelming desire for alcohol or tobacco or whatever it is controls you. It's called substance abuse. It's substance controlling. It's a chemical that's in your bloodstream that makes you crave. Plus, there's many times demons attached to it as well. And it makes you crave things. But the Bible says, this is, we've got to take the Bible at face value. If many people trip... But if you don't trip in your words, if your words are right, then you will be a perfect man able to control every urge that your body and your mind suggests to you. Amen. So my body is telling me, that addiction tells me to do this, go shopping, this thing with food, this thing with that, this thing with the other. Father, work in me. I'm asking for you to do a work in me. I'm willing to be made willing, Father. Help me desire not to do this. And help me then act on it. And the power of God starts working. 
Now, Father, I keep my words because this thing's trying to control my body. But you said if I don't trip in my words, I can control my body, which means if I speak right, I can control this addiction. I can break its power. So I begin to say the opposite of what I'm experiencing. Lord, if I have an addiction for shopping, I begin to say, Father, that addiction has no hold on me. It is broken over my life. I am not addicted to shopping. I'm a wise steward of my money. Now you see, what are you doing? You're calling those things that be not as though they are, but now you're declaring you're not stumbling with your words. If you don't stumble with your words over time, you will be able to control every habit and every desire and every addiction that comes your way. Like Keith Moore said, the guy come and said, I've, I've tried everything. I've tried the patch. I've tried this. I've tried this. I've tried everything on the market. I can't stop smoking. I just can't stop. I just can't stop. And Keith said, because he's so used to watching his words, as he's hearing the guy say 13 times in a five-minute conversation, I'm totally addicted. Nothing can help me. I can't. He's cringing every time he hears that because the guy is just a river of sewage is coming out of his mouth. I'm totally addicted. I can't help. Nothing can help me. I've tried everything. I'm never going to be free. Those are death words. So he said to the man under the unction of the spirit, he said, sir, I know that you're addicted, but let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you how to get free. And he said, okay, go ahead and lay the hands on me. He said, I'm not going to lay hands on you. Now that is one way you get somebody free, but in that way, the Lord wasn't leading that way. He said, the way that you're going to get free is he said, ask God to will in you and to do of his good pleasure, things that please him. And then he said, now control your mouth. Cause if you control your mouth, you control your body. And this addiction is part of your body realm. So I don't want you to ever say again, never again. And he looked at him right in his eye and he said, are you listening to me? Don't you ever utter the words again. Don't ever let your ears hear it. Don't ever for any reason say, I'm addicted. I can't stop smoking. I've tried everything. Nothing works. Don't ever say that again. He said, what I want you to say is, thank God I'm free. Thank God I'm free from smoking. And he said, but that won't do anything. He said, are you coming to teach me? Or are you coming to learn from me? Don't tell me what doesn't work because you don't know what you're talking about. I'm telling you, don't ever say those words again because you're stumbling with your words and you can't control your body. But if you be perfect in your words, your body will come in line. And he said, don't ever say that and just start saying, Father, I thank you that I'm free. Thank you that I'm free. Thank you that I'm free. Thank you that I'm free from smoking. And he goes, but what if I still feel like smoking? He says, no, no worry about that. He said, in fact, go buy a new pack of cigarettes. He said, take off that little cellophane. He said, open that carton up and pull out that cigarette. He said, light up and take a big, long puff. But before you light it, I want you to say, thank God I'm free from smoking. And then he said, now take a long drag on that thing. And after you blow out that smoke, say, Father, I thank you. I'm free from smoke. He goes, you're crazy, Pastor Keith. He says, are you here to teach or are you here to be taught? He said, I don't care about what your body's doing. I don't even care about what your actions are. I don't care even about what your mind is thinking right now. God is working a desire in you. But your words are killing you. So take the smoking if you want, but start to say, thank God I'm free. Thank God I'm free. And so the guy did it, I think, for about three weeks. He was smoking two packs a day. But every time... He would start to say, thank God I'm free from smoking. I mean, he actually obeyed. Thank God I'm free. Thank God I'm free. He didn't at the beginning have any faith attached to it. He was just confessing because that's what the man of God told him to do. But if you'll keep saying it, you'll start to believe it. And life is flowing because you're being spiritually minded and spiritually confessing. 
And three weeks later, he pulled out a thing, and he had said he had said it so many thousands of times. He had said it so many times he didn't. He just saying it now by second nature. Thank God I'm free. It's just, like, just a flow. Thank God I'm free. Thank God I'm free. I mean, he just said it hundreds of times a day. Thank God I'm free from smoking. Thank God I'm free from smoking. But no natural change. Just the words changed. And all of a sudden, he took one. I don't know how many hundreds he had smoked before that while he was confessing, but he took a thing and he lit it up. Thank God I'm free. And he took that first thing and he said, when that smoke went into his mouth, he felt like he was going to vomit. He said it was the most distasteful taste that he's ever had before. See, that's the working of miracles. The Holy Ghost changed taste buds in a microsecond. And he went, and he tried to do it again. That's so disgusting. And the Holy Ghost in the high hand said, son, you're free from smoking. <laughs> he came back to Pastor Keith. He said, I've tried everything, but I never tried this. He said, I'm totally free. I don't even want it. See, God worked in him a desire, and then God helped him do, and he kept his words, and he was totally free, and he never touched cigarettes again as long as he lived because the power of his words caused God to change an appetite. So you can say, thank God I'm free from overeating. Thank God I'm free from drugs. Thank God I'm free from gossip. Thank God I'm free from fear. Thank God I'm free from torment of driving on the highway. Father, any kind of addiction, anything that controls me, I thank you that I'm free. 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 I thank you that you're working in me a desire to do the right thing that pleases you and you're helping me execute it. And Lord, I put my words to it. I put my words to it because if I'm perfect in my words, my body will come under my control. Lord, I say I'm free. I say, I say, I say, I say. And Brother Copeland doesn't like going to the gym, but I heard him say it, a private pastor's thing. I heard him say, this really helped me because I don't like going to the gym either. But you know, because he, he was starting to say, oh, I hate this. And he said, no, the Lord said, don't say that. So he started saying, Lord, I thank you that I have joy coming here and I have joy working out. And he said, he started saying that for a few days and all of a sudden he started looking forward to going to the gym. Never looked forward to it before because his words changed it. Life was flowing. Spiritually minded and spiritually confession will bring the life and the peace of God onto the scene. And he started saying, I enjoy this. It is my pleasure and joy to be healthy and to work out. And he said a desire came up where he actually started looking forward to it. How many people say, I can't go to the gym, I hate it. Well, just stop saying that. Start saying, Lord, I thank you. I love working out. I love eating healthy. Just say it, even if you don't believe it. Just say it. I love, Father, I don't overeat. I eat in moderation. I have good sense. And I thank you that I love being healthy and that, Lord, you're helping me. You're working in me. You're working in me a desire. You're working in me. You're helping me do it. My words are in line with this. I call those things that be not as though they are. In Jesus' name, I'm free. In Jesus' name, I'm free from anger. In Jesus' name, I'm free from from outbursts of rage. In Jesus' name, I'm free from anxiety in my thoughts. I'm free from being OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. You know, I used to have OCD. When I was a younger kid, I would flick the light switch. There was a demon that would torment me. And I stood on the word for like six years as a teenager. And I just say, I, just, I didn't even have this teaching, but I would just say, there's something's abnormal about that. And I just say, Father, I thank you, I'm free. I didn't even know. Nobody even taught me. I just knew in my heart, just say, just say, just say you're free. Lord, I thank you that I'm free. It took six years. But after that, one day I woke up, that demon spirit was gone. Then I was walking and standing in my kitchen in my old house. And Quinn was only a little four-year-old, five-year-old. And I saw him in the, in the laundry room. 
doing this with the light switch. And the Holy Ghost said to me, that same demon that came on you is trying to come on him, cast it out. Thank God for a parent that knows their authority. And I walked up to him, remember that Jenny? And I walked up to him and I took him by the side of the head and I said, I command you, come out of him in Jesus' name. And he never, and that thing never touched him again from that second forward. Because that OCD, that obsessive compulsive thing that makes people act weird and do strange things and they got to do this and do that, that's totally demonic. And I cast it out. And see, nobody had cast it out of me, but it took me six years standing on the word, but it left me. You can get demons to leave without anybody praying for you. You just keep saying it. But if you've got somebody that can help you that's around you, they can cast it out in a second if they've got authority. But if you don't have anybody around you, just keep your words right. You'll control your whole body if you don't trip up with your words. Glory to God. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I bless these wonderful people. I bless them, Lord. I bless them. Their future is bright, 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 bright. The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. The days ahead are good, not bad. I'm looking forward to next week. I'm not dreading it. Lord, I thank you if they would ask you to work in them. You will put a desire in them for things that please you. You'll help them to do things that please you. And if they'll just guard their mouth and keep their words from stumbling, they will bring under their full control their body and their mind. Addictions will fall by the wayside. Things they've struggled with their whole lives will all of a sudden cease. And Lord, if you have to do the working of miracles to do it like that man was smoking, you'll do that. You'll do whatever you have to do to honor their words. Lord, let them be spiritually minded and spiritual speakers. Let them tap into the life of God, which can set them free from any addiction, set them free from any physical symptom, set them free from emotional hurts and wounding. We bless you and we praise you for it. In the mighty Lord, I've given them weaponry today. I don't know if all of them understand what I've given them, what the Holy Ghost through me has given them, but I've given them weaponry. They won't find this in the AA group. They won't find this in the Self Help Me Club. They find this in the Word and under the anointed preaching on a Sunday morning. They find this in the house of God. Let them do it. It will change their future. They never have to be bound again. Nothing has to control them. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I give you glory. Everybody said amen.